1: Good morning, and thank you for joining host Cheryl Esposito for an intriguing hour of Leading Conversations. Each week, Cheryl brings together big thinkers to the Voice America Business Channel. Now here's your host, Cheryl Esposito.
2: Good morning, everyone, and welcome to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito, and it's a beautiful day in the Bay Area and around the world. And today, we are going to be speaking with a very special guest, Christine Hibbard, And Christine has many stories to tell us from around the world. She's a leading-edge teacher of mind-body-spirit and has worked in the field of trauma and healing that trauma in places that most people would never attempt to move into, and we will talk about that during this segment. Christine, welcome to Leading Conversations.
3: Hi, Cheryl. Hi. So, I'm so glad you're here today. Where are you today? Well, I'm in um, the Rocky Mountains. I'm in Boulder, Colorado. Oh, wonderful. So, is it a beautiful day? It is. It's a <clears throat> it's a sunny day here, and it, we're supposed to get up to around uh, 65 degrees, which is unusual for this time of year, but I'll take it.
2: Well, it seems to be strange weather everywhere, but that's another conversation. Um, So, Christine, you've recently written a book, The Heart of Healing from Trauma to Health and Harmony, and I know some of your work, and you are renowned around the world for being able to work in areas that um, have experienced high trauma, um, war, genocide, um, incredible illness, epidemics. Tell us a bit about what drew you to do this kind of work
3: around the planet. well um initially uh i've i've always <clears throat> been interested in international work i've traveled um, since I was in college and uh, um, gone to a lot of different oh gosh third world countries that and I just fell in love with their cultures mm-hmm. so that was the beginning and then The nature of being human, um, what does it take for the nature of being human and and also what does it take for healing? Mm. And that, uh, those two areas then uh, I was compelled to uh, find out, uh, particularly Mm. in these other cultures. And then in uh, 19... Oh, I guess it was bill ninety nine um i was my heart was just um touched so deeply by um, the um, the war in in kosovo that was going on the mm-hmm. genocide there <coughs> and um a colleague of mine jim gordon uh who goes over to these different areas himself. Uh, gathered a team of 10 for his international team that would teach um, mind, body, spirit, alternative methods to trauma in some of these different uh, uh, war zones, post-war zones. So he uh, asked if I would be on that team, and uh, I didn't hesitate to say yes. So we went over just as k four was coming into uh Kosovo, and the uh refugees were streaming in across the borders from Macedonia and um, montevideo and also um Albania. so it was it was pretty intense but uh i I went <laughs> and we i liked the nature of the um uh, the whole project, which was we would go back so it, and teach more. It had a multiplier effect, and that, that was engaging. Mm-hmm. So tell us
2: what it was like when you first arrived in Kosovo.
3: Well, it was pretty, pretty intense. Um, yeah. There were... Uh, there are more landmines there than any other um area in the world. So that that was the first thing and uh, we crossed the border on foot, uh, dragging our one piece of luggage that a little small carry on luggage and it was um it was very uh emotional um the, the the trauma that these ref, the refugees went through was you know very similar to the to the holocaust they were they were put on mm. trains and crowded and and uh sent uh, sent out of the uh, country on these trains and uh, all many died of suffocation so uh, mm. it was a mm, very, very difficult for all of us to, to, uh, uh, to approach that border. <laughs> I bet it was.
2: Now, when, when you uh, were first there and you saw this, um, what happened for you? What happened in your heart? You saw what was real, and what went on inside of you?
3: Well <laughs> it's, it's a lot of fear to to begin with because um this was a natural response uh for all of us, and then of course it was being able to allow that fear to be there and then just walk walk with it so that we could do our our work um mm-hmm. with these different um healthcare professionals, mm. there were 140 of them, and we gave it to them for free and taught them um, physiology, the physiology of stress and PTSD, and then we had to work with their own in small groups. So, mm. our hearts were very, my heart was very heavy as uh, uh, as we struggled to listen to these painful feelings that that um, came up with all the different stories of what happened to them.
2: Hmm. And so there was you and Gordon and anyone else who was with your group? Well, there are ten of us. Ten, okay. So you must have been needing to provide to one another the kind of... Love and support that you were needing to provide to the 140 healthcare professionals who were dealing with, you know, the front line. So I would imagine that the ten of you um, were pretty close knit. Is that true?
3: Yes, um, we um, we debriefed every day, Cheryl. Yeah. And that debriefing yeah. is what helped us because. You know, we were dealing with and hearing participants describe just gut-wrenching trauma, and mm-hmm. it was anguishing. So, you know, at one point, I had to go out of my small group room where I was. we would work with them in the, um, I think there were 10 in each, or 12 in each group, with mm-hmm. their own stories and their trauma and teaching them how to deal with it, and... I had to go out of the room at one point and just um, uh, throw up because the story Mm. was so intense. So those debriefings Mm. were really important for the ten of us at the end of the day. Yes.
2: You know, it takes
3: not only fortitude,
2: it takes courage to remain in situations like that. What is it about... Human nature that allows one to push
3: past
2: the fear
3: well you know I think we go back to the heart, Cheryl with that question, and um, <clears throat> um you know not 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 everybody has a calling uh to do this kind of work where you really have to push past year um, and and we certainly we all do our bit of, of service, but you know i I just I wanted to open my heart wider at at mm-hmm. that time and so it was um and I felt very emotionally stable in order to do it, mm-hmm. so I think that that's a very important point to. To be able to push past fear, you you need to have a certain amount of stability to sign up for this kind of work. I think it's different when there's an intense crisis happening in your own life, and it's fearful, but yet your adrenaline um, is activated so that you can push past that. And, like, save your child's life from, you know, being Mm. killed by a truck or something.
2: Right, right, right. So, more of that instinctive uh, reaction that you don't even think about.
3: Right. So, tell us a little
2: bit about your growing up years. As a child, before before you started traveling when you were in college, how did that experience as a child inform you as an adult?
3: Well, I I, I believe my mother had a, a quite a big role in that regard. That she was um, she always wanted us to to think about service. And not just what we could get for ourselves, but how we could give back to others. And that sense of responsibility. And um, she certainly did that in her own life. And um, we were all raised with that value of my three siblings and, and myself so i i i talk about one story in there she my mother died at 99 and a half very um hmm, um cognitively um intelligent at the time which was hard to to uh to um see her go because you know i wanted her around she wasn't really suffering and she would even after she broke her hip At 96, she would get up on her walker and go to my sister's homeless project in Denver and give pep talks to the homeless. (laughs) 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 And, you know, Um. she was quite a sight, Cheryl, to see, you know, with up there on her walker and and, uh, saying, you know, "You you can... Get out of this situation, you know, you can make your yeah. lives work and <laughs> it was it was very uh very impressive. Uh they really didn't want to hear my sister talk, they wanted my mother. <laughs>
2: <laughs> well, you know, it's uh, it is an, it is interesting how inspiring um our elders can be in in situations, right? And and yet our, you know, the culture today in the West um, tends to not um, appreciate the elder wisdom um, as much as some of the indigenous cultures do still. And, you know, it sounds like you took that very seriously and were inspired deeply by your mother. Did you ever have a moment where you thought, you know, good for her. I'm glad she's doing this. I'm tired of this now. I don't want to do this anymore.
3: (laughs) Well, uh, yes. (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad to hear that Um,
2: because, you know, that's the reality of us, you know, as humans, right? We have those moments. What was it like for you as you heard yourself saying, I don't want to do this anymore?
3: Well, um, actually, I, I really only said that when... And, and are we talking now, uh, Cheryl, about the overseas work in the post-war zone?
2: Well, it's, you know, that and the, the always needing to be the person who is in service to...
3: Right, um, that's a lot of pressure oh. right oh yes well i I think there's two ways that I would respond to that, and um one is a is a personal one, and of course that goes to family and um and friends, and certainly uh there are times when I would be you know say i'm I'm exhausted, and you know uh i I really need to take care of myself and then mm-hmm. overseas, I think I said it when um when uh, let's see right before I started the Uganda work um I, I did not want to go into post war zones where there were, like in Kosovo and in Israel, there are yeah. tanks and machine guns and um, a lot of danger around. So I did say then, okay, I will go into Uganda and work with the trauma <clears throat> that's there. Um, and coming over the borders, borders from Rwanda, from the Congo, and certainly from uh, the child soldiers in Uganda. Yes. So at that point, mm. I did say, "No, I'm, I'm not going to go into the war zones uh, anymore. I'm, you know, I want to stay in a safer place." So you felt
2: comfortable that you had choice, and that there wasn't any sense of judgment about level of service or the type of service that you were in at any particular time in your life right
3: yeah. right yeah it was it was something that I was choosing and um, uh, <clears throat> yeah I, I learned so much from it, um, mm-hmm. which is you know why i one of the reasons why I wrote the book so um I could safely say. That maybe it's I did the right thing by taking care of myself each time I came back. Um, and in that regard, it would be working with my own secondary PTSD, taking a break. You know, at first we were going every six months and going back, and that was hard.
2: Mm. I bet it was. So we have more to talk about with Christine and her world travels and service to others when we come right back.
4: When it comes to business, you'll find the experts here. Voice America Business Network.
2: The Business Elevation Show can be heard live on Fridays at 8 a.m. U.S. Pacific Time, usually 4 p.m. U.K., on the Voice America Business Channel. Be more. Achieve more.
4: We're always talking business. Talk to an expert. Call now, toll-free, 866-472-5790. That's 866-472-5790. Voice America Business Network.
1: We appreciate you joining our Leading Conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Esposito with my very special guest today, Dr. Christine Hibbard, the author of The Heart of Healing from Trauma to Health and Harmony. So, Christine, you spoke a bit about uh, having worked in post-war zones that dealt with a lot of trauma. And you went to Uganda and experienced working with a different type of trauma. So, tell us about what was happening there and what you saw the people of Uganda experiencing?
3: Well, there... Uh, we were um, very uh, engaged with the hospital project there that, that um, uh, it's called Pisisi Hospital and it was in the middle of uh, nowhere, the Bush Hospital. So they needed a lot of help there, and um, uh, I offered my services. Uh, and it, you know, working in Uganda brought me to a whole new level of understanding what it takes to be truly human. When I did the field work in um, Kosovo and Syria and the Israeli Palestinian culture, It certainly opened up my sense of compassion for others' suffering. Mm. Yet in Uganda, I knew, you know, I had to really let go of this notion of trying to quote unquote save people or humanity Mm. and to just be present and use my skills. So that in itself. Was a very different way to go in, um, where people are suffering from genocide and uh, so much evil. There's this sense that uh, one has of, oh my gosh, you know, I really have to help to alleviate their their suffering. And in Uganda, it was it was different that that way. I uh, there weren't machine guns and Tanks all over, but certainly there was enormous suffering from poverty and illness. Hmm. And so it sounds
2: like the um, almost the presence of war in some of the other places that you were around the world—the visible um, elements of war with firearms and tanks and um, fear of landmines, etc., cetera, um, may have somehow... Was it kind of like distancing yourself from the individual but focusing more on um, saving lives as much as you could? And then in Uganda, you truly rather than looking at the physical side of people so much, you were looking more into their heart. Is that what I'm hearing you say?
3: Not exactly. Uh, Because of returning to, like in the case of Kosovo so many times, I became very... um, uh, We became intimate with the participants there because of their extreme suffering. And really got to to know them. Um, and actually uh, I've had contact with some of them to to this day. So, you know, that's mm. seventeen years later. And in um in Uganda there they're just the, the same. Um, the people were so wonderful, uh, warm and friendly, yet they were struggling so much with um, <clears throat> different types of trauma, from, just from poverty and, and illness, and that in itself was uh, overwhelming to me. Uh, I initially became extremely depressed. For their situation, and this is how they lived every day. Um, when we went into the post-war zones, people were going to get their freedom back, and once yes. their sense of PTSD, uh, once they were helped uh, to help themselves and to keep uh, alleviating that and get back to their own lives, that that was different in Uganda. It's the same every day.
2: Yeah. And then, was there a sense of um, hope in Uganda that you all were able to move things forward or, or move people to the place where they could actually kind of see light at the end of the tunnel, so to speak
3: yes, yes, there was um there's definitely hope, and particularly um what when um, they were being taught ways to deal with their own trauma and how things changed from them, and the letters we received from doctors and nurses about um being able to uh, Calm their systems down to allow themselves a sense of hope and a sense of of uh, rest, because mm-hmm. they were uh, they just worked 24 hours and bury their own um, trauma. They they really yeah. don't they they didn't have ways to work with it, and many came from. Uh, some, many of the nurses came out of families where the Lord's Resistance Army um, had killed their families and they mm-hmm. had to run for their lives. And so they were still carrying that trauma in their bodies and minds. Mm-hmm. Um, so working with that was, uh, was very rewarding to them and to me. So what did you actually do with them? Well, um, <clears throat> there were many different things that we did. We taught them um, biofeedback uh in order to to help themselves to to calm down we <clears throat> we did um art therapy <clears throat> excuse me and um Art therapy was very important the the group work that that we did was of course very important to them so they could hear others talking about well gosh you know I didn't know you felt that way I I the same things going on with me and mm-hmm. uh, then I did personal sessions of uh of EMDR which is a way of working with trauma um with by, by um uh, lateral stimulation of the of the brain, and it's a very quick method um, where one recalls the trauma, and it goes very fast. You're only recall, recalling it for a minute or two, and uh, the protocol that's used moves the trauma out from a frozen place in the brain, if you will, to... Um, a place where we can put resources in, where they remember the incident, but not with the trauma response and the hypervigilance that they were walking along along, around with previously.
2: So, explain the technical parts of that. How does that actually occur?
3: Well, I have an instrument that I use that... um, one holds in their hands, and while they're while we're going through the the protocol, it would take too long to to go through the protocol. Uh, sure. Essentially, they're having a um, stimulation in their hands, which is bilateral, and that stimulation of the brain. Um, it's there's, there's research that's been done on it. There's a lot more that needs to be done, but essentially what happens is the um, intensity of the trauma response is alleviated. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, it's, it's really interesting. And um, I write about one story, Cheryl, um, <clears throat> in the book about the... Uh, way the, the uh, Choli people work with uh, trauma for the children who were child mm. soldiers? Yes. And that was very compelling to me. Apparently, it's used quite a bit. And um, I, got, I had the good fortune to observe a young boy of 18 go through this, or not eighteen, he was only thirteen, I guess, yeah, but he was uh, captured by the l r uh, lords resistance uh, army and up the north part of um, Uganda, where the child child soldiers were very traumatized, and he was forced uh, in joseph coney 's um, horrible enslavement to, uh, go to his hometown and kill his, his father.
2: Oh.
3: So, um, the ceremony that I witnessed, uh, was very interesting. Uh, it, uh, um, goes, excuse me, goes on in the rehabilitation centers in that area, and um, <clears throat> some of the children escaped, and this was a uh, forgiveness ceremony that the Acholi people offered to the children um, who had been trained by Kony to kill their family members. So, this, what essentially, I'll, I'll try to make this quick. What happens is um, the family members are sitting <clears> on <throat> one side of a rope, and um, the child is standing on the other side of a rope in the middle of a a large uh, uh, space, Mm. and um, the family uh, member um, who has chosen to speak um, says, uh, uh, can you tell me... You know, what what happened, and the boy tells them. And uh, in this case, it was his uncle, the father's brother. And uh, <clears throat> he uh, stated his crimes against his family. So after the boy told them about killing his father, the uncle looked at the family members and asked if they wanted to forgive this Child, because he was forced to do the crime. And they all replied yes. And the uncle looked at the boy and said, You may now cross over the rope. And once you do, we will not mention this crime again. You are completely forgiven. And so the boy stepped over the line. And the entire family surrounded him with hugs and smiles, and and I cried through the entire ceremony. Um, yeah. But this is what they do, and apparently it works. Uh, the well, it makes does... so much
2: sense, you know, because I can imagine that the the guilt and the remorse and the uh, just. The even just the heaviness of uh, carrying that around is becomes a very isolating space, and yes. to have uh, your family, the people who you would think would hate you for what you've done, um, to have them say. You know, we love you and join our circle because we forgive what you did. And, you know, that that's so powerful. It really speaks to something um, that I think the West doesn't do very well, and that is acknowledge what is and then um, make... So, or take some sort of action around that. You know, I don't think the West does a good—I doesn't have a good way for healing.
3: Yeah, I think you're right um, about that. And it's interesting, Cheryl. Uh, I was asked to work in Rwanda, and I ended up saying no to that project um, because of uh, <clears throat> just taking care of myself, but also in Rwanda um that the the president of the country asked um the people there to open up the prisons and let the perpetrators come back quite quite early. And the um <clears throat> the cities and, and the small towns uh they went back to those towns, and the women who were left over, who re- remained, who weren't killed, were often raped and, 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 and beaten and very hugely traumatized, and they were asked to just forgive those perpetrators. So, that's very different. How could they um, just mm-hmm. forgive them? Um, they, though, these women were uh, still suffering in their bodies. So it's very different mm. from this uh, forgiveness ceremony that they do for the children in Uganda. Mm.
2: So, so how, how has this affected
3: you and
2: your personal ability to deal with or to experience forgiveness? for things in your life?
3: Oh, well, it it, uh, allowed me, number one, to forgive myself much more. Um, Mm. Being with their love, their acceptance, and their wisdom um, just allowed me to have a transference for myself where um, I could do that with myself. And then, of course, why wouldn't I be be able to do this with others? Mm. And uh, it certainly paid off. Well, and that is at the center of
2: real forgiveness, isn't it? Um, in order yes. to be able to accept being forgiven, one has to first forgive themselves. That's a very powerful yes. concept. Um, yeah. Yes.
3: And with the children um the acholi children, they're young enough that um yes, they felt guilty, but the just the um the energy of, from yeah. the adults that they were forgiven allows mm-hmm. them to forgive themselves in a much shorter period of time than
2: yeah, uh,
3: than any other um, you know experience with forgiveness.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It's so beautiful. We can all learn
2: from that, and I think in the West we have a long way to go to um, actually move into that as part of our cultural norm. Um, but we will yes. talk more about that when we come back right after this break.
4: The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk.
1: We appreciate you joining our Leading Conversations today. If you would like to participate in today's conversation, please call us now at 1-866-472-5790. That's 1-866-472-5790. Now back to your host, Cheryl.
2: Welcome back to Leading Conversations. This is Cheryl Estesito, our very special guest today, Dr. Christine Hubbard. hibbard Christine is actually the recipient of the United Nations Association Human Rights Award for her work around the world and the United States Congressional Recognition Award for Outstanding Excellence in Community Service. Christine, your work um, has taken you to the far reaches into post-war zones and um, areas of the world where trauma has been become the norm. And you decided to write a book about your own experience. And the book has just been published, The Heart of Healing, From Trauma to Health and Harmony. So what made you decide, after all this time, to write the book?
3: Well, um, over the years, I had been... Uh, giving talks and lectures, uh, teaching at conferences, etc., and using some of these stories, and people have been very moved by them. So many have said, "Please, would you would you share these by writing books?" So, um, writing a memoir, I think, is something uh, baby boomers now are giving a, a lot of thought to. Cheryl. And um, I thought, you know, well, uh, I have shared verbally um, these stories and uh, my own life lessons with others for the last uh, 40 years, so I'm going to write them down. And um, sharing my experiences, um, you know, from my heart, and the risks that, that I've taken I think uh was very important for me to do. Mm-hmm. And I was stunned in in looking back at how many experiences I've had. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> that, that I really haven't thought about. <clears throat> and sharing my humanitarian work, you know, about emotional trauma. Is a very big field right now, um, as we all know. Um, so many things are happening in this world, and and um, you know, part of my life review is it, you know, I, I began to understand was a life very fully lived. <laughs> yeah. So I, yes. um, and, you know, and the other the other piece of it, Cheryl, is. Um, in in writing this memoir and what it meant to me is that I I, I became or or I got to realize that we can't do anything from a place of desperation. That it only can be from a place of our own true essence. And, of course, that's unconditional love. And I write a lot about that in terms of Mm. healing and that importance and that importance for myself in my in mm. my own uh, work, and I think that that's very very important because so many of us are feeling desperate in mm. this time, and uh, we and we so really that that
2: sense of desperation paralyzing.
3: Yes.
2: Yes. So uh, how do people? It's, it's, so how do people move past that desperation? Well.
3: Um, <laughs> you know, the world's moving so rapidly right now, it's it's really hard to, to catch your breath. But from yeah. my experiences, each one of them, I was able to move to a place where it wasn't about desperation, but it was uh, from a place of... I may be feeling overwhelmed at the time, but there is a, a calmness and a gratitude uh, for staying in the present moment that, mm-hmm. um, that I'd always rely on. And that when obstacles happen, you know, that, that shift our, our humanity in ways that are very unappealing, we really need to, to have that courage and, and that divine grace to uh, be able to handle those challenges. Mm -hmm. Well, and so, you know, that
2: makes a lot of sense to me, and you certainly, from a very young person, very early in your career, had developed skills and a way of thinking and a way of being that supported that in you, And as I look around a lot of people in the world, um, many people don't have that, don't have either access to that approach or have never been, uh, have never considered that there is another approach such as this. And, you know, if you just look at what, as you you said, a lot of desperation in the world these days, um, and some of it equivalent to the post-war um, situations that, that you uh, walked into, some of it simply what's going to happen to our country, whether it's in the U.S. or whether it's in France or you know other places around the world that are facing um, a different type of situation um, Dogma, shall we say, and you know, what do you say to them, the people who don't have those skills or that way of being as just their natural way?
3: I would say that um, for them to know in any way that they can that that grace is always present, and mm-hmm. even if we don't open. Our awareness to it—it's still there. So mm-hmm. the excessive thought that we do, the worry, um, media exposure, and fear—that can overwhelm us on a daily basis. Yes, and 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 also our our conditioning throughout life—it it seems to create this false sense of knowing. Of who we really are, Cheryl. Um, yeah, and um, why we we suffer so much. So mm. to, to just know that we're more than than our personality, and mm. I I believe that that uh, the fundamental ground of our being is spirit or divine consciousness, and mm. however you want to name that uh, a. Un, you know, an intelligence that is uh, mm. always present and uh, never leaves. So, uh, this book,
2: The Heart of Healing from Trauma to Health and Harmony, um, is an amazing read into one's self transformation and has so much to teach. So, Christine, we have a few seconds left, and how can people get your book?
3: Well, they can go to um, the publishing website, which is Press, uh, com, and order it there, or they can go on to Amazon and uh, order it there. There's hardback, there's soft copy, there's Kindle, um, And there's also a a website, um, uh, www.authorchristinehibbard.com, with more information.
2: Terrific. Christine Hibbard, it has been a privilege to have you with us today. And I so appreciate you and the love you spread in the world. So remember everyone to think big because the world could be a better place because of a conversation that matters. This is Cheryl Esposito.